Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Always good to be with you. The children are having a fabulous time, I hear, out there, which is brilliant. Isn't it awesome that you can come to church in this day and the kids are out there having fun and we get the privilege of sitting in here around God's Word. And I want to speak to you today. Interesting enough, I prepared this title before um, all the fires began to burn afresh and I've called this message Rain. And uh, I don't know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago there were images on our on our news channels and so forth, when the rain did come into some of those uh, really drought-stricken regions. And I, I honestly sat there with tears running down my face as I watched the kids play in the little puddles of rain and they created makeshift, you know, uh, boats and whatnot. And they were, they were just skidding down the muddy banks and one man who was a farmer, I won't go into too much, graphic detail, but you may have seen him. He was so elated and so excited about the rain that he stripped off practically all of his clothing with his cowboy hat on and he danced through all the rain. It was pouring rain. And I sat there weeping at their joy, at their celebration, at my goodness, how we can take things for granted. It was raining. It wasn't enough, but it was raining. Every year, as you know, we go away. And uh, we go away in January and uh, we never plan too much and that's part of what I like about it, part of, uh, uh, you know, many other reasons. But one of the things I like about it is we don't plan anything. I mean, Byron and I live our lives planned and scheduled and diarised and everything's in calendars and on phones and this is where you are and this is what you're doing. So to go away for a few weeks and not have to plan anything so... Our, um, our, hel- our holidays look a little like this. It's low key, really low key. It's a walk, it's swimming, it's a ride on a boat, it's a barbecue. It's fishing, which I don't like. I feel sorry for those fish gasping for air, those poor little things. I mean, blah, you know, they're just like that. And then all I want to do is throw them back quickly so they can keep on breathing. But um, Christiane loves fishing, so she goes fishing and Matt gets the job of cleaning. What an arrangement, huh? But one year we went on holidays. And it was the year, some years ago, it was that year when the devastating rain came. Remember the heavy rains? I think it was 2011. And it was not small rain that was forecasted. I mean, the, the forecasters were saying it's going to rain and it's going to flood and It's going to be constant. It's going to be flooding rains. Well, they were right. Rain it did. I think we got rained out at our carols this year, that year. It was just a downpour like we'd not seen in a long time. Everything was flooded and soaked. However, we went on holidays. And not to be housebound for weeks on end, I decided that I would prepare for rain. So I bought a raincoat or two. I think I bought two actually because you might need to with that amount of rain. I had an umbrella. I had shoes that it didn't matter if they got wet. And so I waited for the lighter intervals to come where the downpour eased and it was lighter rain and I could get out and 
take a bit of a walk, you know, my usual spots, which those usual spots now look like mini rivers in some places. And tried to tell myself as I was out in amongst it all that this is fun. I'm saturated, I'm cold, I'm wet, everything's wet, but there I was, I had prepared for rain. The problem was that nothing dried out. Nothing dried out. Your shoes stayed wet, the raincoat stayed damp, the umbrella was still dripping from the day before. Everything that the rain touched was saturated. I looked at the river that we've spent many wonderful hours on and it had, in places, it had burst its banks. And some of the little side streets had become mini rivers and creeks themselves. It was raining. But there's something about rain. The thing was, with this rain, it did not catch us by surprise because it had been forecasted that rain was coming. And so we prepared for the coming rain. The thing was, when it started to come, we didn't quite know what to do with ourselves because it came with such intensity. And I can't help but think that the church, it's time to prepare for rain again. The natural rain is wonderful. And our land, may the clouds open up, may rain come on this earth, this land of Australia, in places where it's in drought stricken, stricken every place where a dam is almost empty. May the dams be filled again. In those places where the farmers don't know whether they'll make it to next year because they can't feed their livestock, may it rain in those places. Every farmer, every regional person that has lost hope because they don't know when the next lot of rain is coming, we pray that God would bless our land with rain. But there's another kind of rain, and it's that kind of rain that I want to talk to you about today. It's the kind of rain that comes when God moves. It's the kind of rain when hearts wake up. It's the kind of rain when people turn to him. It's the kind of rain where his presence is in the air. I sense that God is here. I sense the voice of God. It's the kind of rain that it feels like his word is alive. It's the kind of rain that I know God is in this place. It's that kind of rain. Isaiah 55 verses 10 through to 13 in the New Living Translation reads like this, it says that the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to And it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song. And the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. And where nettles grew, myrtles will sprout up. These events will bring great honour to the Lord's name. And they will be an everlasting sign of his power 
and of his love. There is a word in there for us today. God says it will. It will. And the I will of God brings great honour to his name. The Bible tells us that the gospel is good news. I, I think it's understated. I think the gospel is great news. I think the gospel is amazing news. I think it is news that will transform and revolutionise and alter your life because the gospel is an alive word. It is good news. It is great news to our lives. He sends out his word and it will always produce fruit. Take note of that. It's not hoping, wishing, maybe some, maybe I'm a lucky one and it will produce fruit. It says he sends out his word and it will always produce fruit. Where there's been thorns, he says new life is coming. Where there's been fear, he says peace is coming. Where there's been drought, I will bring water. But it's one thing, and I think this is something we have to constantly do a check on with ourselves. Because in the Western church, we are so aware of the good things that God has done in our lives, of every benefit, of every blessing, of every privilege that's come our way. And in Western world, we, we live in a bubble of privilege and benefits. And it's one thing to know what God has done for you, what his hand has done. But there's another side to this that I don't think we give enough time to. And it's the nature of God. Because it's his nature to heal. It is his nature to restore. It's his nature to save and to deliver. It is his nature to rescue. It's his nature to prosper and to favour you. It's not just what he does with his hand. It is his nature. If we don't know the nature of God, then we'll get stuck in the place of what he can do for you all the time. But when you know his nature, then you are in relationship with him. His nature is to bring you mercy and to bring you goodness all the days of your life, and even if you're in a season right now where it doesn't feel good, where it doesn't feel like his mercy is there, remember he said, I will. I will bring you into goodness. For surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. His nature towards you is to do you good and never harm. What I really like about the book of Ephesians among about a hundred different things right now, is that it will change your image. If you spend some time in it, you will start to think differently. You'll start to pray differently because the book of Ephesians gives us a picture of who we are, who we really are. For instance, and we've been mentioning this for a while, it tells us where we are seated if you just go on hearing without believing, then you'll never know where you are seated. But if you hear and start to believe, then it will, it will change your image. It'll start to change the way that you even pray. Because you'll start to pray from that place of where you are seated. And once you know where you are seated 
then you are seated in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. And if you read the book of Ephesians, it tells you in that place of seating what it is that you have authority and influence over. You have power, you have influence, you have an anointing over every dominion, every title, everything that the enemy has placed that we live in a fallen world. But when you know where you are seated, then you pray from a different position and you start to pray the will and the purpose and the plan of God and you stop striving and you move into a place of where I already am in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It changes your image, it changes your attitude, it changes the way you go about things. So instead of situations being over you, you will start to put that revelation of his word of where you are seated and you start to place that over the situations because God, no matter what, God is never your problem. He is always your provider, always your provider. The gospel when believed changes the lens that you and I are looking through. That's why we have to have the word in our lives. If we never have the word, we'll never have a lens change. We'll never have a vision change. We'll never have a perspective change. It is this word that is alive that becomes quickened to us, alive within us, that changes the lens that you are looking through. But the big place for us to get to is knowing who you are. I think it's taken me a lifetime to get there, to be honest with you. I can tell you who I was as a kid. I can tell you who I was as a teenager. But I think it's taken me a lifetime to really get to a place of truly believing who I am. And I've learned this, that it's not just a place you get to once. It's a place you have to keep going back to and back to and being reminded of all the time because we live in a world where there's a lot around you that tries to tell you that you are something else other than a daughter of the king, other than a son of the Most High. It's a big place to get to when you allow this word of truth to start to really alter your thinking about things because God thinks in terms of abundance. He thinks in terms of fullness. And it's a big place to get to when you actually believe that. God thinks in terms of favor and blessing, that you can have favor with him and you can have favor with man. It's a big place to get to when you actually believe that. Let me share the story with you and I'll quote some of it verbatim and the rest of it I'll sort of add to it. But it was, it was a story regarding a drought that had hit Mississippi somewhere around 50 years ago, and again, again, it's a story where just one man's faith made a difference. That encourages me to no end. You might be the only person that's a Christian right now in your entire bloodline. Do you know your faith, one person's faith can make an enormous difference. One person's faith. You might be the first of the generation still yet to come, but one person's faith can make a difference. Anyway, this drought hit Mississippi about 50 years ago, and it was a drought that threatened to destroy an entire season of crops. And a rural church that was filled with many farmers, they called an emergency prayer meeting, and dozens and dozens of farmers showed up to pray. 
most of those farmers just wore their normal clothing, their everyday uh, clothing, some of them still in their work gear, their overalls, but one man, one man showed up looking different than everybody else. And this one man showed up wearing this kind of clothing, waders. He wore this waterproof clothing that went from ankle to chest and he had his waterproof boots on. He got strange looks from everybody in the church, as you would. They were in drought. And he's wearing clothing like that. Why would you wear waterproof clothing when there is no rain? People looked at him strangely, probably how they would have looked at Noah when Noah was building the ark when there was no rain. But the faith step was simply this. I'm going to prepare for rain now. Why not dress for our breakthrough now? Why not give him praise now for the answer? Why not expect that what you have sown in faith, what you've given to him in prayer, why not start to expect that your prayer has been heard and give him praise and honour now? Why not prepare for rain now? This childlike faith of just one man, an old farmer, who just simply didn't want to go home wet. The story goes on to say everybody went home wet except for this old farmer. With all of our knowledge, with all of our information, with all of our exposure to listen to whatever it is that we listen to, you and I will never be in a more healthier spiritual place than when we just simply have childlike faith. We must come to him as a little child. That's what the Bible says. We are to come to him as a little child. That we would believe that his word is truth. That we would believe that what his word has said is truth and I'm not going to mess with that. I'm just going to have childlike faith about that. Noah kept building the ark when there was no rain. Joshua kept circling Jericho before the walls came crashing down. Elijah kept sending his servant out even when there was no rain clouds, no clouds, the sky was clear and there was no rain. And yet in every one of these instances, and there's many more that we could touch on today, God did something in every story. The ark was built. The rain did come. Noah's family was rescued. The walls of Jericho did come crashing down. And there was the sound of the abundance of rain. Ever seen that ad on TV, Hoselink? This is a plug for Hoselink. I like that man, Hoselink man. Because every time I see the Hoselink ad... I think I've got to buy one of those. Because this is what, something like what my hose looks like at home. I only own two hoses. One at the front of the house and one um, down the back. 
down the side. My hose looks something like that. And I never give a hose a thought until I go to use it. And it's perished and it's twisted. And no matter how many times I wind it round the little tap, it still seems to find a way on the ground looking something like that. And it's not until I see the hose link man telling me how good his product is do I think I've got to buy a hose link hose. And I forget about it again until I go to use the hose. Do you know it works in a kind of similar way in our walk and in our relationship with God? That our lives can be twisted and have kinks and blockages and obstructions in the way. And even though you might want the water to flow, you might want to have that breakthrough, you might want life to look different. There's so many kinks and twists and blockages and things in the way that the water cannot even find a way to flow through. And I wonder what has got in the way of us being focused, focused until he is our first love. I like the scripture, Matthew 6.33, that says, Seek first, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I want to talk to you about righteousness in coming weeks. I've had a revelation about righteousness and what it actually means. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. All the things that you want, that you've desired, that you've prayed for, Knowing the nature of God, it is not God holding those things up from your life. Let me give you a couple of thoughts this morning. First thing is this, don't complicate truth. Don't complicate truth. Go back to the foundational truths of his word so that your faith can flow without obstruction or without hindrance. Because every promise of God is yes and amen. Don't overcomplicate what has been written. Come to the Lord with a childlike faith. This week I had infections in both eyes. I came into work on a couple of occasions this week, but I had eyes that were messy and yucky and half closed. And, and I thought, I just... I believe that by his stripes I was healed. And I just started to apply what I actually believe and what I talk to you about. And, and I thought about, because I knew I had to speak today, and I thought maybe I should buy a pair of fake glasses so that you're not all looking at eyes that are semi-closed and messy. And I thought, no, I'm not going to do that. You just have to take me as I am today. And, and then I just began to speak the word of God over my eyes. And my eyes started to get better and better and better. And I think I've scrubbed up all right, actually. Don't you think? Just say yes anyway, whether it's true or not. But all that really was was childlike faith. It was just simple, uncomplicated, childlike faith in believing that God has made provision for me to be healed. Second thing is this, what have you heard? Elijah the prophet mentions in 1 Kings 18 that he heard the sound of the abundance of rain. At this stage, there was nothing to be seen. There was no sign of clouds, but 
he heard the sound of the abundance of rain. And there's times when you can't see, you can't feel, whatever. But you know something in your heart, there's something deep down within that I hear something of what God is getting us ready to do. And I'm preparing for the rain. When the 120 gathered in the upper room in the book of Acts, it is said that there was the sound from heaven and it sounded like a mighty wind that filled the house. I think they probably heard that with natural ears, but I think they picked something up in there somewhere within that there was a sound of God moving by his spirit. But Elijah the prophet picked up something Something has hit my soul right now. Something has hit me within right now. And I hear the sound of the abundance of rain and God is about to move. Natural rain is wonderful. You can smell it. The atmosphere changes. You can smell rain. And I pray that our drought-stricken land here will smell rain, experience rain, know that it's coming in that natural sense. But what does it mean when we talk about this reign of God moving? What does that mean in our lives? It means this, that the years of silence and the years of wilderness are going to be changed. It means that God is going to bring colour and life back to your life again, even if you've been in a barren place. It means that again, you will run and you'll not grow weary And you will run again with vision, with purpose, with direction in knowing that every step you take has been ordered of the Lord. It means that you will again be refreshed and nourished and you'll no longer lag lag behind. That's just in part what it is when God begins to move, that it is going to rain. And last thought is this, in Zechariah chapter 10, and we're going to pray, I'll ask team to come back please. Zechariah chapter 10 verse 1 says this, Ask, ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who makes the storm clouds. He gives showers of rain to men and plants of the field for everyone. You see, the Hebrew people think in terms of two lots of rain, the former rain, the latter rain. But the springtime rain that the book of Zechariah is mentioning here, the springtime rain is the latter rain. And this latter rain is the kind of rain that doesn't just water, what, but what it does that every seed that has been sown, the latter rain brings that seed to a point of being ripened so that the ripe fruit can be harvested. And so the latter rain is needed for harvest. And this rain that we're talking about today, it represents the power of God. It represents his presence. It represents things opening up. It represents doors of favour and opportunities. It also tells us that every godly seed that you have ever planted in faith 
whether it be for your health, whether it be for your children, whether it be for your business, every godly seed that God has put into you and that vision and that call and that direction that God has placed in you and you said yes and amen to the promises of God and you rose up in faith and you prayed in faith and you sowed seeds financially and you sowed seeds for your children, you sowed seeds for the generations, you sowed seeds for that which was still yet to come every seed. God says, I'm going to pour out the springtime rain. I'm going to pour out the rain that comes from heaven because I'm the one that causes the storm clouds to gather. I'm the one that pours out the rain that causes the seed that looks like it's been doing nothing for a time. It looks like it's been dormant. It looks like it's been dead in the crown. God says, I am going to pour out my rain upon the seed to bring it to a place of ripening, to bring it to a place of harvest so that where you have been in a barren land, victory can come to every place that's been dry, it's been empty, it's been desolate, it's been away from the purposes of God. God let it rain. And the Bible says, as the people of God asked me for the rain. And that's exactly what we're going to do right now. We are going to ask God for the rain. Inclusive in that prayer is that we're going to ask God to pour natural rain on our dry ground as we've already done. But beyond that, you have sown in faith. You have sown seeds financially and some of you yet have not seen the harvest. Some of you have sown the Word of God regarding your own health and healing. And I've had to do quite a bit of that this week. Some of you have sown seeds for children that are still yet to turn their lives over to God. When I read this and it says, ask me for the rain, that's what we're going to do right now. Would you stand to your feet, please? And we're going to pray. We're going to take his word in childlike manner, just believing that what he says is right and is truth. And Father, I lift up every man, every woman, every family, every child in this room today. God, you've seen every seed that's been sown in faith. You've seen those, oh God, that have sown in a time of drought. They've sown in a time of plenty. They've also sown in a time of famine. But God, everyone that has sown a prayer of faith regarding their lives, their future, their family, their children, their grandchildren, everyone that has sown a seed over the years, oh God, but they've not yet seen the harvest. Father, we pray for the springtime rain. We ask your Lord for the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. We ask, oh God, for a move of God upon every life that is represented here and everyone that they represent for those that are standing in the gap and they're lifting up a name before you right now. God, we pray, let the latter rain, let the springtime rain begin to fall upon that one that's broken, that one that's lost, that one that's away, I pray. Let the fruit be ripened to bring it to a place of harvest, Lord, we pray. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of your Word and you watch over to accomplish it to bring it to pass. Stir us, I pray, Lord, so that we will be co-laborers with you, bringing to pass that which you've spoken about. And every seed that has been sown, we ask for rain upon the seed. And we give you praise. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.